Welcome back to the Bricks. We are here in a what was going to be an uneventful weekend in college football that turned out to be pretty eventful. Um, if you saw the Western Michigan Ball State um, ending, that pretty much summed up 2020. So that was a fun ending there. If you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. It's it's hilarious. It's like Stanford Cal. The band was on the field, except it was the players. But anyway, we had breaking news today. One in the Big Ten that wasn't as big, but was kind of big. Um, Lovey Smith out for the fighting Illini. And then the second one in the SEC, Gus is out at Auburn. Um, a couple of those could cause some big-time dominoes. So, Nick, you told me that they are thinking Fickle might take the Illinois job, which brings up the beta of which job is better, UC or Illinois. But, you know, we can talk about that some other time in, like, March when we have nothing to talk about. And then um, – who takes the Auburn job? So those are the interesting things. Nick, what is your – I mean, you are kind of War Eagle. I can never figure you out when you come – when it comes to Auburn. I think your family went there or something crazy like that. But what's the gut – like, who does Auburn think they are getting rid of Gus? Like, they're not he, – he's decent. He beats all. He beats Alabama, like, once every third year. Like, that's not bad at Auburn. So, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that firing, hiring, whatever the heck happened down there? Uh, absolutely shocked. I mean, not not that I'm a person who has sources all over the place or tapped into a place like Auburn, but I'm shocked. I did not think in COVID in 2020, uh, winning six games, going six and four with an all SEC schedule, that that would be the time that Auburn would pull the trigger. And I mean, it every year there's there's Gus on the hot seat talk, and it's kind of just background noise at this point. Um, but I mean, the guy wins eight games a year. He he pops every two or three years and wins ten or eleven. Um, he gets in, in the picture for a while. Uh, he beats Alabama on average every two years, beat him last year, which is wild to think about. You know, a year ago, this guy beat Alabama and he's already been fired. And, you know, at the end of the day, what is your expectation? This is in 2020, the hardest coaching job in America on your schedule. Every single year you have Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia, every single year. Guaranteed. Those are four locks on your schedule, both within your division and cross division. You that's you got to win at least three of those to be a playoff contender. Probably four, because then you still got to go to the Atlanta and win the SEC title game, which you're not going to get to if you don't have the tiebreaker over the other team, one of the other two teams from the West. So it is what it is. I mean, I don't I don't know what you want, what you expect for the Auburn job. I don't know. I don't know. I think Gus is Gus is a guy who hasn't produced as much offense and quarterback um, development that you'd like to see. You'd like to see Bo Nix, you know, the 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 Auburn guy's dad went there and all that be better in year two than he was this year, especially with uh, Chad Morris as the offense coordinator. You would expect a bigger jump there. I agree. They turned the ball over at alarming rate. But the only logical conclusion when you fire a guy that has a twenty one and a half million dollar buyout who will get paid half of that in the next 30 days and the other half of it in the next four years, reportedly, is you've already got a guy hired. You've already got a guy who's verbally committed. And if that guy is not Hugh Freeze, then I would be absolutely shocked. That's who it's got to be. You don't pull the trigger today. I mean, literally, head coach Gus Malzahn, former head coach, excuse me, was dancing in the locker room last night. He thought he saved his job last night. He thought a double-digit win against Mississippi State and this in, you know, COVID 2020, he really didn't lose to anybody you shouldn't have lost to this year. I mean – they had a couple games, the refs game that gave them, let's be completely honest here. They should have been a five, six loss team, but they weren't officially. They were four loss team. But again, all that to say, you do not pull the trigger unless you have a guy 
who is ready to go dialed up that you're sitting on that you're going to wait till Wednesday or Thursday. So it looks neat. And it looks like you actually did a coaching search, but if it's not Hugh freeze, former Ole Miss coach scandal washed out back at Liberty, who by the way, has developed and used a former Auburn backup quarterback this year to light people up, including Virginia tech. Then I don't know who else it could be. I don't think it's Billy Napier that he's been the hot name, of course, out of Louisiana for the South Carolina job, which of course Shane Beamer got about a week ago. I think Billy Napier politely said no, um, to be completely honest, but it is, it can be Billy Napier. I mean, I, I just don't think that he's the right guy there. I think he's a great, great hire for somebody down the road. I think he might even be a great hire for a program like Michigan who does not have a vo- coaching vacancy right now, but all that to say, if it's not Hugh freeze, then I'd be absolutely shocked. Cause you don't pull the trigger right now. Be on, you know, leading into championship week, unless you got the guy signed up, ready to go. Yeah. I, it, it doesn't make much sense for me for Auburn. I mean, yeah, they're going to, they're probably going to bring Hugh in. The, the interesting thing here is where is Gus going to go? Because he's going to get a job, you would imagine, um, for somebody. Who knows? I don't think he'll be on the Bama, you know, coaching cartel bus, but I don't think, I don't think Nick would do that. But I do think he's going to get a job. Um, it'll be interesting where he lands. The other one, Fickle, we'll see. Every time his, every time a Big Ten job comes open, Fickle's the first name thrown out just because of he's, you know, that's the fabric of who he is. Um, so that so that'd be interesting to see if he does take that job or to see what happens with the Michigan job um, to see what he does there. I, I mean, that'd be interesting to see what he does. Yeah. To just kind of wrap up the conversation. I think, I mean, fickle turned down the Michigan state job last year. That wasn't because of the football program. That's because of the shambles and the ridiculousness going on in that athletic program it had nothing to do with the football program. But I think he's, I mean, I th- in my personal opinion, Michigan's the one he's waiting on. If he's waiting on a big 10 program, I think it's probably Michigan. But again, we've told you, and from everything I understand, I do not think Jim Harbaugh is gone. I just don't. Not this year. He's got one year on the contract. We'll see what happens. But I, I think Matt Campbell, you know, is definitely number one there for me. But number two would be Luke Fickle if for some reason Campbell wants to stay in Iowa State or take another job that comes available. Yeah, like the Texas job. You know, Tom Herman's job was safe yesterday, but who knows if it's safe. Tom Herman's job is safe. Tom Urban's – let's be clear here. Tom Herman's job is safe because Urban Meyer said no. Yeah. That's you. You heard it here, folks. So, um, you said Bo Nix earlier. I just, I just want to encourage everybody out there to find somebody who believes in you, like Kirk Herbstreit believes in Bo Nix. All right, that that dude just always seems to believe in that guy. And you know the team I'm gonna believe in this week, like Kirk Herbstreit believes in Bo Nix. We're we're going through every list, every game of Champ Week. We're gonna we're gonna give them to you right here. We're even going Conference USA, baby. We're we're pulling out all. The stops. If you would ask me what this game was an hour ago, I would have said I have no idea. But now I know. So it's UAB at Marshall at the Thundering Herd. Um, I think UAB gets it done, Nick. Um, they got a loss to Miami, who you know got trounced this week by UNC, but they're a pretty good football team, and they got beat by Louisiana, um, who's a pretty good football team who beat Iowa State at Iowa State. Um, Marshall just got smoked. By Rice, got beat by Rice. I don't know if they got smoked. You can correct me on that. But I know they got beat by Rice. Um, the only thing that gets beat by Rice is General So Chicken in my house. But anyway, UAB is getting it done at Marshall, in my personal opinion. Yeah, so first of all, again, family blood, family ties. Uh, Blazers are going to take this one out. I mean, it is what it is. UAB is good at football. I mean, you can literally kill their program 
and Coach Clark's going to figure out a way to rise them back up and get them to eight, nine wins. And then this season, you know, get them to five, six wins. They're going to be, they're going to be thundering herd. Marshall's coming off of a 20 to zip home defeat to Rice after being a, ranked in the top 20 by the College Football Playoff Committee. That's all you need to know. You don't bounce back from that. You just don't. I don't care if they're hosting. It is what it is. Marshall Marshall is a good place to play a football game if you are Marshall. Usually, I've been there a couple times for road games. They're they're a fun place. It's a, kind of a small, fun environment. Students are right there on top of you, but not in 2020. So give me the Blazers. Close, but give me the Blazers. All right, we agree. We are we are in agreement on that one. The next one, the Mac, baby. What this podcast is built on, Maction. So we got Ball State, who squeaked out a crazy one against Western Michigan, as I said earlier, and then Buffalo, who I don't think they've had a game within 14 points the whole season. I mean, they are just throttling teams in the Mac. Um, in good old Detroit, Michigan, 7:30 on ESPN. Uh, I I don't think anybody's beaten Buffalo. That team is unreal. Um, give me, give me Buffalo to absolutely roll here over ball state. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Buffalo has the offense shocking, but Buffalo at this point is kind of an offensive dynasty. They keep pumping them out, whether they like to throw it or, or run it this year, they like to ground and pound this year They're, I mean, they're, they are who they are and they, they win football games in the Mac. It is what it is. And I love my, uh, Ohio Bobcats, but we, uh, laid down and called COVID a few weeks ago to avoid this team. I think it was the right decision because it would probably would have been about 79-0. But uh all that to say, Buffalo. Give me the give me the give me Buffalo. And I think they're gonna win their bowl game. I don't care who they're playing. They're gonna win their bowl game too. They're going seven and zero. Book it. You heard it here. Put them in the playoff. Anyway, now now we're going to a conference that was irrelevant, now has gained some relevancy back, but it's probably still irrelevant at the end of the day. So we're going to the Pac 12. We're going out west. Um this game's on Friday night, so uh, it gets its own kind of night here, 8 p.m. on Friday night. We got Washington at USC. So it's at USC. Um, the question is, USC had to uh, storm back against UCLA um, on Saturday night. They had to put up quite an effort to come back and win that game. I believe their quarterback had five touchdown passes, um, if I remember that correctly. Came storming back, had a heck of a drive with like 45 seconds left um, to end up winning the football game. The question there is, Nick, we're gonna we're gonna stay here for a second in the Pac-12. How good is USC? Um, I think USC is gonna win this football game. How good are they? And then if they do win it, is there any path at all for them to the playoff? I think we have absolutely no clue how good USC is. I think that's that's been the issue for the shortened Pac-12 season. Is we thought Oregon might have been good, you know, because you know they were decent last year, and then you know they lost to Oregon State and frankly, haven't looked good even before that and, and since that. And USC, I mean, the next best option, I guess, in the Pac-12 at this point, undefeated, barely. They've come back, and I believe, multiple times, three or four times. Um, I, I, at this point, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what to expect from them. I think at this point, you're looking at, I mean, absolute doomsday to get them to the playoffs. It would have to be, you know, the Northwestern over Ohio State would have to be number one. It would have to be Notre Dame over Clemson would be number two. So Clemson's out of the picture as well. I mean, you're going to have to get several of these teams that I would consider essentially locks at this point out of the picture um, for them to even have an argument. But again, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit with the Big 12. The committee, I think, will show you on Tuesday night here 
their contingency plans in order by the way that they rank the football teams. That's what they do. Um, they, they, again, are tasked with finding the four best teams in college football, and then they're tasked with finding reasons for what they did. And so if they want to do that, I guess that's on them. They make the decisions. But I would expect USC to be in the top 10. They're going to be in our top 10 this week. They'll be in the top 10 because they, they got to have a you know plan eight in case something absolutely goes off the rails. Yeah, I mean, the guy I feel bad for, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I don't feel bad for USC ever, but I feel bad for Clay Helton because he's finally having a good season and nobody, like, it's not going to matter. Like, it doesn't, if they go undefeated, it's not going to matter. And the next year, if they lose two or three games, they'll be calling for his job again. And nobody will remember that he went undefeated this year. So that's what sucks for him. Cause I do think he, I mean, he put, he's put together some some dudes there i mean there hasn't been anything there since pete carroll left um and he has put together some teams that have been decent um and so that would that would, that would suck for him um let's go to the mountain west i'm gonna be honest nick i'll let you do the talking here it's boise state versus san jose state give me the broncos that's what i'm doing why because i know boise state that's why give me boise state yeah so we got through the friday appetizer <clears throat> phase we're on to saturday with the mountain west um, they're playing at night, but we're going to put them in front of the bigger games. Um, it's Boise. They know what they're doing. They've been here before. San Jose State's having a you know program year at 6-0, um, doing things well there. But again, it's the Mountain West Conference. You don't overthink it. Every once in a while, another team pops up, wins 10 or 11 games. Doesn't matter. Boise State, don't think about it. Just do it. Boise State. I agree. The next one is the Sun Belt. So... Um, I don't know if I'm rooting for somebody to win this or if I'm rooting against somebody, to be honest with you. Um, we got number 19, Louisiana, at number 13, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina escaped against Troy um, on Saturday. I turned it on just in time to see him score a touchdown in literally 25 seconds, I think. It was crazy um, to come back and win that game. This one is at noon on Saturday, so this gets us kicked off. Coastal's a four-point favorite here. Um, I'm going Louisiana. I, I'm not a fan of Coastal. I'll just be dead honest with you. Not a fan of how they do things. Not a fan of people thinking that they're good enough to be in the conversation, to be in the top four. That ticks me off. They're not even close to being a top ten team. So, come at me. I don't care. They're not close. So, I hope Louisiana beats them. Um, so, I'm going Louisiana to beat Coastal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Coastal read a little bit too much of their own press clippings after beating BYU in that, uh, you know, two-day – rest a planned game where they they both looked at each other and said let's play each other um and they came out with the upset there dirty myrtle i didn't like what i saw in that stadium i didn't like the lack of masks and the thousands of students jumping on top of each other not to mention that louisiana is a better football team louisiana started kind of weird they beat iowa state then lost a couple kind of stumbled around for a little bit but you know i i expect I expect Coach Billy Napier, the next hot name after Hugh Freeze, to have his guys ready to go. They got through the South Carolina coaching search last week. He, you know, posted that letter of let's, you know, I'm staying here for the long haul. And well, it probably might turn into I'm staying here for the next three weeks till the next job comes open that I want. But it is what it is. That's what you have to say. You're required to say it. But he, you know, he he got the troops ready to go. I think I like Louisiana. I think they're a solid team. They run the football well. They do things the way that they should be done. They handle their business. They go in there and they take out Coastal Carolina. Yep. 
Next, the American Athletic Conference. We see the Bearcats play for the first time in, I think, a month um, or close to it. It's it's close to a month. Um, we finally get to see Tulsa and Cincinnati play. This is the third time they're scheduled to play. Um, hopefully it happens this weekend. But we got Tulsa at UC. UC a 14-and-a-half point favorite, which for a team that hasn't played in a month I think is a little high. Um 8 p.m. It's, it's a little special for UC. They're going to have some of a national audience because we'll get into why I don't think anybody will be watching the SEC championship a little later. But they're going to have some national audience here. I do think UC gets the job done, but I definitely do not. I think it's a one-possession football game throughout. Um, but I think UC gets gets the job done. The, the talk to them being in the playoff is over. Um, it's over, folks. It's, it's not happening. You don't play for a month. Committee forgets about you. Other teams jump you. It ain't happening, but it'll be fun to see them win and fun to see them get to a New Year's Six Bowl, um, hopefully with this win. So I'm going the Bearcats. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a must win for the Bearcats if they want to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. I think it's as simple as that. I mean, they lose this game and a team like Louisiana beats Coastal. Louisiana very easily could be ranked higher than Cincinnati in the last rankings, especially if Iowa State beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 title games, considering Louisiana has that double-digit win over um, Iowa State in in Ames but I don't know I don't know what to expect from the Bearcats I mean obviously like you said their playoff hopes have been dashed for a couple weeks now you don't play for a month um, and that's what happens I think it'll be interesting to see the message that Luke Fickle's been preaching this week Um, I honestly am just hoping this game happens I think we're looking at this late and I mean just realistically statistically speaking we're going to lose one of these games this week at some point and I just hope it is in this one I hope we don't you know finish out they don't even get to a New Year's Six Bowl because the program is still dealing with COVID. I hope not. But um, all that to say, I, I would love to see the Bearcats come out and absolutely just pound Tulsa. But if this is the Tulsa that went on the road to Oklahoma State week one and just played some defense and shortened the game, this is going to be a really good game. You know, that's the game Cincinnati wants to play anyways. They don't. I don't overly think they want to go up and down with them. So I agree that 14.5 point line doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's going to be an ugly game. Just two teams I haven't played in a while. Um, but I mean, I would like the Bearcats by just a few points, but I do not feel comfortable taking them in a blowout by any stretch. Yeah, speaking of ugly games, the next one's one I think could get ugly in a hurry. Um, We got Northwestern versus Ohio State. Ohio State 21-and-a-half point favorite, um, which I think is a fair line. 12, big noon kickoff on Fox here um, for the Buckeyes. I think the Buckeyes are going to be on a mission to prove that they are easily the best team in the Big Ten. I think they're going to be on the mission to prove that they easily deserve to be in the playoff. And I think they're going to be in a um, – they're going to be upset. I mean, if you watched any kind of college football last weekend, every commissioner threw the Big Ten and the Buckeyes under the bus. Um, and so teams hear that. And so uh, I think Ryan Day is going to have his squad ready to go. Northwestern, their defense is good, but they just – they can't match up on the outside – with what those dudes – with what the dudes at Ohio State rolls out there. I mean, it's just – it is what it is. And offensively, they're inept. Um, and the weaknesses of the Ohio State defense will not be exposed against Northwestern. They happen. Peyton Ramsey can't make it happen. So, Ohio State's going to roll in this one, looking to, looking to take their frustrations out on the Wildcats. Yeah, I, I don't see a world where this game doesn't end very, very ugly – 
Um, again, I think this might be one of the situations we're talking about the current, you know, current playoff rankings as we as we record, but the new ones haven't come out for championship week. Again, a team that I would expect to take a little bit of a move is Northwestern, simply because again, the committee's kind of trying to give themselves that ammo to do what they need to do um, with the final rankings next week. All that to say, Justin Fields, Ohio State, they will absolutely annihilate Northwestern. I do not. I mean, I think 40 would be an appropriate number, quite frankly. And I don't mean 40 points. I mean, not 40 points scored. I mean, 40 as the the difference between the two scores. I think that might easily win by 40. I think this game's out of hand by halftime. It's not an Indiana situation where they decide to let him back in it real late in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, you've got Dan Mullen, Florida head coach, after losing to LSU on a late field goal after the stupidest um, personal foul I've ever seen committed in the history of college football with a Florida corner picking up an LSU player's cleat and tossing it 20 yards. It did make for an outstanding official call. It was actually, I was moving rooms to watch the game and I turned on the TV and all I heard was personal foul, 15 yards, uh, unnecessary roughness, or maybe it was unsportsmanlike conduct. That's what it was. Uh, number so-and-so throwing, throwing a, another player's cleat 20 yards. It'll be 15 yards and an automatic first down. I mean, that is an unbelievable ref call. I think they absolutely enjoy the moments where they get to say things like that, but just the stupidest thing you've ever seen. And then talk about two cookers with absolute legs though. The LSU and Florida kickers, both dudes can absolutely spank Boom them all. They both hit Boom them easy. They both hit 60 yarders. One minute, one just shifted left, but they both hit easy from 60. Um, but all that to say, Dan Mullins out here saying, well, apparently you get rewarded for playing less games. He's already trying to give excuses for losing to a three and five football team who just self-imposed. We talked about this last week, who just self-imposed a, a bowl ban on themselves in the, in the year of um, sorrow for um, coach. O. I mean, the, I mean, Greg Sankey, the sec commissioner was on college game day yesterday morning, yesterday morning, Saturday morning talking, you know, stuff about, Teams not playing the same amount of games because the SEC, assuming everything goes right the next week, will everybody in the conference will play 10 games. I mean, heck, the Sun Belt teams that are playing in the conference title game have played 11 and 10 games, and the Big Ten did not. And it is what it is. But again, four best teams. We talked about this at length last week, so I won't waste time tonight. But Ohio State will show you that they are one of the four best teams. And I, I would even, I would even say they're going to show you they're one of the three best teams on Saturday night against Northwestern. Yeah, I I agree. So let's get into the Big 12. These next couple games are where it gets kind of hairy. Um, it gets kind of interesting here when it comes to committee. So right now the rankings are Oklahoma's at 11, Iowa State's at 7. We both think in our rankings Iowa State's moving up to 6. Oklahoma's probably going to move up for the CFP committee. They're going to move up in the top 10, um, especially with Florida losing um, all that crazy stuff going on, especially with UC not playing again. Um, don't be surprised. Oklahoma is going to jump UC. But how far up are they going to move? And who's got the better shot of crashing the playoffs? And I guess that really comes down to who do you think is going to win this game? Is it going to be Oklahoma who's going who's gonna to get in again? Or is it going to be Iowa State who wins this thing and, and sneaks in somehow? Who wins? Who's getting in? I think um, let's start with the Oklahoma spot. I think they will be top 10. Like you said, I, again, I, I've listed it several times. The committee backs themselves up. That's fine. You can do that. You can do whatever you want. You're the committee. Um, I think the committee wants it to be Oklahoma. And I think they're going to make that apparent on the ranking show. Again, it's all about narrative. All the committee talks about is narrative, narrative, narrative. And if you listen to them, 
you listen to the commissioner when he talks it's narrative they love a good story and a good story is oklahoma because they started slow and they looked really bad against certain teams and then they came out and absolutely thumped oklahoma state national on national television with college game day they have a freshman quarterback spencer rattler who is the next best thing or the next big thing and the offense shocking under lincoln riley is back to humming and the defense is actually sneakily again the top defense in the big 12 they're sneakily a top 25 defense i believe i mean i understand the story but matt campbell iowa state always been a big fan of them and because justin i have said all season that iowa state would get to the big 12 championship but not win it i will stick to what i have said I will take Oklahoma. I think it's Oklahoma by double digits. I think Oklahoma has something to prove here. And I think they're going to make it interesting for the committee if, again, things happen in front of them. Excuse me. If things happen in front of them, like a Northwestern beating an Ohio State, a Florida beating an Alabama, those kind of things are going to have to happen. But, you know, I, I think I think Oklahoma is has the best chance to crash the playoff simply because that's what the committee thinks. And at the end of the day, Iowa State lost to a G5 Louisiana team by double digits to start the season and whatever they have done since then, which is go through a big 12 slate with one loss. You can't get rid of that. It just is what it is. Yeah. I I'm going to be rooting like crazy for Iowa state to get this done. If I had any Iowa state gear, I would put it on, on Saturday um, noon kickoff. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be competing with the big 10 championship game. I know what I'm going to be watching. It's going to be the big 12 championship game. Go clones, um, baby. Go clones. That's right. I, I want to go with Iowa State. I'm going to go with Iowa State. Iowa State's going to win this football game, and it's going to be interesting to see what the committee does with them when they do win this football game. Um, we'll move into the ACC here. This is a tough one for me. So Clemson versus Notre Dame, we know it's the big one, 4 p.m. on ABC. Um, Clemson's opening up, not opening up. They have moved to a 10.5-point favorite, which I think is fair. Um, how different will this rematch be? How stinking hard is it to beat Clemson twice? Here's what I'm going to say. How different will this rematch be? Notre Dame jumped out early um, in the first one. Kyron Williams went to the house, 85-yard touchdown right off the, right off the tip, um, had me screaming, waking up neighbors in, in the neighborhood. Um, I don't think the Irish are going to be the trendsetter in this one. I think Clemson gets out. They're setting the pace early. The Irish are going to have to play catch-up the whole entire night. Defense is going to have to make some plays. Travis Etienne is going to be looking like a shark with blood in the water. The dude played awful against Notre Dame the first game. Notre Dame held him, made him look like a JV running back. Um, he had paddle hands on the defensive touchdown that, that Notre Dame scored. I, it's, hard, it's going to be hard for me to pick the Irish just because I, I trust Clemson so much in such big games like this because of Dabo, because of Trevor because of, you know, Brent Venables mostly um, going against the team twice, going against Ian Book twice, mixing it up, putting a spy on him, making sure he stays in the pocket, gets stuff done, making sure Kyron Williams is hit early, hit often, um, taking away guys like Javon McKinley, taking away the tight ends um, for Notre Dame. I, I don't think the Irish can get it done the second time. I will say that. I'm an Irish fan. I'll be cheering my hiney off on Saturday, hoping that they get it done. Um but I do think the Irish keep it close. I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, we had Pete Sampson on. They've changed the narrative on how they played in these games a little bit. I think they're going to stick to that. 
Um, I think they're going in again with an underdog mentality because I, nobody believes that they beat the real Clemson team the first time, and nobody thinks that they can beat the real Clemson team here the second time, even though, you know, how much more could DJ do? Um, I, I think I think Clemson gets it done, but I think Notre Dame keeps it really close, and I think both teams are going to get in the playoff. But I would love to see the Irish win. But if you make me pick a winner, it's Clemson because it's real hard to beat a really good team twice. Yeah, I I feel really confident that this is not going to look like the first one. I don't think it'll be in the 40s. Um, at least I don't think it'll be two two teams in the 40s if it gets that way. Um, I don't think you'll see teams going up and down as much as it got there late and in overtime, obviously, in the first match. Um, but again, it's, it's what Justin said. I have a hard time picking against Clemson. I picked Clemson the first time um, by a small margin. We both did. We so both did. did. I. Yeah. We both did, and that's for a reason. And, again, one of my big things is if you give a, give a coach like Dabo Sweeney two weeks two weeks to prepare, he's had two weeks to prepare. I, I, I struggle to, to come, up, come to a different conclusion. Obviously, Vegas is leaning very heavily towards Clemson. I think it opened at seven. Um, and, obviously, betting changes that as well. But I don't know. I think Trevor and Travis and those guys somehow have something to prove, which is wild to think about. And again, if anybody can convince the guys that aren't underrated that they are underrated and are, aren't underappreciated, it's Dabo. He convinces his team of that every year that nobody's talking about him and nobody thinks the conference is worth anything. Finally, you got people talking about the conference from a team who's not supposed to be in the conference, but it's 2020. I Again, I just have a hard time seeing uh, Notre Dame winning this game. I'm with you. I think they keep it close. I think two touchdowns is the margin that I'm worried uh, worried if it gets above that. At what point we start saying is this too much margin to say okay we can get rid of that first result and say definitively that Clemson is a better football team. I do. I'm very concerned that that might happen for the Irish. But at the end of the day, I think Clemson wins it. I think they win it by a little bit less than two touchdowns. And I think that Notre Dame, which sounds absolutely insane, is fingers crossed, hoping to get their chance at um, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, and I'll just say this. If Notre Dame wins this game, Ian Book will be a top three Heisman contender. It's going to need – Ian Book's going to have to be special to win this game on Saturday. He's going to have to be really special. And let's not forget, you talked about Notre Dame jumping out to a quick start the first time. They had several turnovers in the first half that they created. That was part of it, right? You're not going to beat a team like Clemson. You're just not unless you win the turnover battle or you're at least even and you do other things that are special. Tommy Reese is going to have to call the game of his life, which he did the first time. Um, they're going to have to control the game clock. They got to keep the ball out of Trevor and Travis's hands. You just got to. You got to shorten the game. You got to make this a game that that ends in the 20s, in my opinion, maybe even low 30s. You just got it. You got to control the clock and do the best you can to keep them off the field limit possessions. But I, I mean, I think it's gonna be a really, really good game. Don't get me wrong. And let me be very clear here. We told you this last time Notre Dame played Clemson. They beat them. People have been talking bad about Notre Dame all year. People have recency bias when it comes to the Irish. They talk bad about the Irish. I told you this before. I'll tell you this again. We will be rooting for Notre Dame, obviously, on this podcast for obvious reasons. But you are welcome on Saturday evening around 730 if and when the Notre Dame Irish fighting Irish beat Clemson for the second time to send us your condolences and to send us your apologies for the way that you have bad talked the the fighting irish i'm just letting you know you're welcome to send it our way because not one time 
have we walked away from our statement that we think they're a solid football team and that they're going to compete. And like Justin said, that they're, they've changed the culture and that they're going to keep everything close. I'm willing to eat those words. If this game gets ugly, I'm just sure hoping it's not. Yeah. If, if it goes the other way, you're more than, you're more than welcome to send me the hate too. It'll be fine. Um, you know, it is what it is. So Clemson's good. And guess what? Notre Dame's good. It's two really good football teams meeting for the ACC championship, which is really fun. So, um, the last one here, the SEC. This game got a, a really not fun for me on Saturday. I was really looking forward to this game. And then Saturday night in the fog, in the swamp, um, all the fun really got taken out of this for me. It was like a balloon going off. Um, Alabama versus Florida. Alabama right now is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. I would imagine this line is going to move um, heavily in Alabama's favor. It is at 8 p.m. on CBS. Um, is Florida still in the discussion? I I don't I mean I guess if they beat Bama then yeah you you just you beat the best team in the country you're still in it but like if our I, I'll bring I said this to Nick and we got we we said we were going to save it for the podcast if Arkansas had beat Alabama would Arkansas be in the conversation no so what puts what that's puts not Florida the same argument they lost to A and M they lost to a really 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 bad LSU team that only had like 48 scholarship players really bad. You're telling me one week makes that better. I'm not buying it. No, that's not. No, you're completely missing the conversation. The conversation is this is a sec championship game. Florida's in it like it or not. They're in it. They clinched it by beating Georgia and by not losing again, multiple times. They are in the championship game for the SEC. Therefore, because that is one of the gift wrap from Kirby Smart that he didn't play the right quarterback. But you know. well, I don't think he was healthy. There was something going on there. We've discussed that. But all that to say, if the committee definitively thinks Alabama is the number one team in the country, which they do, do they definitively think that they are a top four team with the loss? I firmly believe they do as well. They value one of their big tenants that they hold is conference championships. So you cannot sit here and tell me, even if it's a two-loss team, and we haven't done that before, again, 2020 would be the year to do it. I thought it'd be the year we get a G5 team in, but apparently not. Committee doesn't care. But two-loss team beats the number one team in your book who is going to be favored by or going to be a dog by probably 20-plus points at kickoff. You got to put them in. I don't know how else you wouldn't. I Again, if you're going to compare eye test, again, the committee, let's be clear. It's eye test, and then it's all these other things to verify what I see with my eyes. So, again, it's how they would do it. If it's like six turnovers, Mac Jones breaks his leg, you know, Devontae Smith, like, gets COVID, like, that's a different conversation. But I don't think you can rule them out if they win. Will they win? Absolutely not, so we can move on from that conversation. Yeah. Let's get to the important conversation, Justin. Does Alabama cover whatever the line is come kickoff on yes. Saturday? Yes, that Florida defense is horrendous. Like you let LSU on its seventeenth starting quarterback, freshman, up like forty. Was it forty? Did they end up with forty, or it was high thirty? Like you let them score that many points on you. I mean, that LSU team is bad. Like Tom Rinaldi did an interview with Coach O, where Coach O was talking about like, you know, we're gonna savor this season. We're gonna get through it. We got a lot of good things coming. Go tag us. Like they, it was a lot of like just a whole bunch of nothing. And then they come out that night and they beat Florida. Like Trask didn't look all that good. Um, you know, the Tony kid is really good. 
Let, let's just put that out there. But like, I think I think they're good. I think the Tony kid's good at receiver. Give me that face. Nobody can. No, see that no. More. Tony, hold on now. Tony's a fantastic receiver. Trask threw for four seventy four. He may have turned the ball over two times, but he did almost throw for half half a thousand. But okay, you just because you throw for five hundred yards doesn't mean you play well. I'll just say that you can throw for a lot of yards because LSU is terrible. Like, they're bad. And so you throw for a lot of yards, but you give up a lot of points, and then you're relying on a kicker to make a flipping 50-yard field goal to win the game against a terrible LSU team. In the fog, baby. In the fog. Getting me fired up. But anyway, yes, Bama covers. Bama covers by a lot. Um, All right. How how many touchdowns? Yeah, go go for it. Over under Devontae Smith uh, touchdowns here. How many is he going to have? The line's at three and a half, and I'm going to take the over. Yeah, give, give me four. four. I mean, I don't have any reason not to. Give me give three me in the first half, one in the third quarter, and then he does not. You know, actually, let me walk that back. I think Nick Saban will dog walk the Florida Gators if he gets a chance. I, oh. I, mean, I think he will hang 70 if he has oh. the ability. It's going to look like LSU versus Oklahoma last year in the semifinal game. Like, it's going to look that easy. It's going to look like somebody's playing – NCAA football 14 on easy mode. Like it's going to look that bad. Um, so obviously we think Bama's going to win this game. That's that's what it comes down to. Nick, who are your top four come next week when it matters, when the chips are on the table? Who's your four? Number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm. What about you? I mean, because I have Clemson winning – I would have to agree with you. Um, just to make it interesting, if Notre Dame wins, if Notre Dame wins and Iowa State wins, Iowa State's four. I'm saying it right now. Iowa I think State's so. Four. And I, th- I think it's, again, it, it becomes a conversation of what do we value most, what we see versus what happened in the beginning of the year, what we see now versus what, what happened in the beginning of the year with Louisiana. Do you get, a, do you, get you know, one grace given? <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be really interesting. Again, if Iowa State wins that football game, I will be absolutely fired up. And um, again, those of you who thought I was crazy when I said they win the Big 12 can come back and again, apologize. But I, I'm really interested to see what happens um, with that game. I think that's one of those key pieces that based on how that falls will determine a lot of other things. I agree. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, some games will be close. Some games will be an absolute thrashing, but that's what champ week gives us. Um, college basketball is getting good. If anybody wants to watch that, the Irish took down, you know, the Wildcats, which was a lot of fun on Saturday. Um, but anyway, big week in college football. Um, gonna going to have a lot of things revealed, and we'll be back with you talking next week on the Bricks.